everyone. Welcome back to How and Why to Imagine It Done by Lisa Jacobs. And I am your host, Lisa Jacobs. We decided to ask our followers what exactly are the most pressing questions that people want to learn about. And um, today we're going to actually tackle those questions. And the first one will begin with the $60 million question. Where do I start if I want to organize my home? So as I said, $60 million question, because everybody is in a flux and that's why we actually have a business. It's a life-changing task to organize. And obviously, if somebody has never done it before, they haven't done it for two reasons, which is because they don't know where to start, obviously, and or they're afraid to get into a space that they know needs organizing. So my reply to that is, I think the easiest thing to do for most people is think about the most struggle, the space you struggle in the most, the space that actually is the most troublesome for you. And that's the space that you begin in. That's because first you have to make the resolution to actually organize. And then after that, you have to figure out which place to start because there's a lot of spaces in the home if you have never organized that in, inevitably will need organizing and after you figure out the space where you're going to start my suggestion always is don't just delve into it and take everything out i mean it's a really hard task so you're going to do it slowly you know you're going to be realistic set some goals and set aside time so take a step back from the closet. Don't get like right into your space, whether it be a small closet or a large closet. Take a step back, like actually open the door, get into the doorway. So you're looking at the space that you're going to organize from a distance. That's the best perspective to actually see what you have. Because when you're up close, you don't really notice the whole picture. Step back, you're going to see that there's stuff on the floor, there's stuff in the wrong spaces, there's stuff that you've never even seen before. Perspective makes a big difference. And when you see what is wrong and the first thing that you see that troubles you, that's where you're gonna start. So for example, let's just say you're in the master bedroom closet and you step back into, when you open up the door or in the entryway, if it's a walk-in closet, step back and you're gonna see that, oh my goodness, my jeans are like such a mess and there's things on the floor right below there. So you're gonna start in that area there and you're going to start taking everything out. And the first phase of an organizational project is going to be the edit. So you start taking everything out and you're going to see a lot of jeans, let's just say, and you're going to see stuff on the floor. Remove the stuff on the floor. Take the jeans off of the rack if they're hanging. And then look to see, since you started with the jeans, where else in the closet do you see jeans? If you see jeans elsewhere in the closet, categorize it with the jeans. So that's going to be your beginning point. In other words, start in an area and then categorize taking things out from other areas where you see the same category. And so the first phase is the edit phase. The second is you're going to categorize everything so it doesn't become a hot mess because you can't just take everything apart altogether. You're gonna have so many different categories all over the place. So that's why I say take the categories out one step at a time, make sure everything then is categorized. 
and then you're going to figure out how you want to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. That's basically where you really need the expert to, to help guide you. Well, actually, you need the expert to help guide you from the very beginning because the edit phase also is difficult. To just s summarize this without getting into each step, the, the five-step process is typically the edit, categorize, curate, contain it, and then you're going to personalize it because you're going to make that space reflective of who you are and your lifestyle. So again, it's like not a typical, it's not like an, an A plus B equals C project. There's no template. Everything has to be according to who the person is, exclusive to you, exclusive to your lifestyle, exclusive to your budget, your personality, how you live, not only how it looks in an Instagram photo. Remember that organization is all about your lifestyle. Otherwise, it's not going to function. Okay, our next question that we received was, how do you stay motivated to clean and organize when it's not your strong suit? Motivation is actually something I talk about a lot because it's the momentum that you get once you start. So the simple answer is that don't think about what is going to happen before it happens. Don't antagonize. I always say the anticipation is worse than the event. Once you take the initiative to start a task that you've never done before, regardless of how you're feeling, whether or not you think that this is like not going to be your strong suit, you're not going to, it's not going to work, you're not going to keep it up, all those things are negative thoughts. Go in with it knowing that once you get started, the momentum grows, it's a crescendo, and you are going to come back and email us and DM us and say, you're right. Once you get started, there's like no turning back because especially if you have somebody helping you, by the way, because that really helps the process to, to flow. But you will realize that it's such an effective process, especially when you're starting to get through the edit, you're going to feel a sense of relief. You really will. You'll feel a sense of like you've cleaned yourself and lighter and your mind will be so much more organized and you'll get into the process so easily because it's just the hardest part is always the beginning. And also, by the way, I didn't mention this, but the motivation also is about once you start taking everything out that you've never seen, you're going to want to clean as you go. And that's like a really big thing because as you see a space not only organized and you see it cleaned up, it's going to make you do it more and more. The hardest part is the beginning. Don't worry about not feeling that you can keep it up because again, you will. And if you don't, ask me any question and I'll give you more motivation to get going. Well, that actually goes into the next question, which is how do I keep things tidy? Even though I tidy up all the time, I find the maintenance aspect of it to be so hard. Okay, well, maintenance is a very important word right here. That's, that's the key word. In anything where you're doing something that first of all, you've never done before, and second of all, that requires work. Sometimes it's gonna be harder than others. Typically, the beginning is the hardest part. I promise you, that really is the hardest part. If you subscribe to maintaining it and you do it frequently, then the maintenance is gonna be very, very simple. It's like actually, 
I parallel this to getting your mail. Well, some people get their mail and then they put everything on the dining room table wherever there's a, a, a surface and then the mail piles up. And then one day when they feel like it, they get to it. Well, I do it differently because I know that that requires maintenance. So what I do is I actually edit my mail downstairs in the lobby of my building before I even bring it into my apartment. And then I actually categorize it so I know what I need to get to for the week. Yes, it's work, but it's part of your day-to-day system. It becomes routine. Okay, we're kind of changing gears a little bit, but I think this is a very universal question, especially for kids living with their parents. Um, I am neat, but my parents are messy and we live together. What do I do? Well, first of all, the question about neat and messy is a question about habits. And I would suggest, since it is your family, that you have a conversation, confront the issue. And when you confront the issue of something that disturbs you when you're living with people in the same space, it can't be the word confront meaning is that you talk about it with the person, but you're not confrontational. And that's like a psychological thing that I find with anything that disturbs you. So what I would do is actually have a conversation and talk about the fact that it would be a very considerate task if your family sees that cleanliness is important to you and that just baby steps don't say that you know you guys are slobs and I can't live this way because that's putting them up against the wall but say like how about you know you know that cleanliness is important to me and this place could be so much cleaner how about saying like let's just try it let's all take different tasks we'll all engage together and then you tell me, say this to your parents, and then you tell me after everything is clean, does it impact you? Do you feel better because of that? I feel like this is also very relevant, not just for kids living with parents, but for roommates, just anyone, any roommate in general, regardless of who it is. Exactly. Look, when you live with somebody, nobody's going to be identical to you. And also, by the way, it doesn't mean that your way is the highway. It doesn't mean that you're doing it all right. And maybe once you start to engage together, the other people will say, you know what, that like, that's really cool. Like, yeah, I like that. Or maybe they'll say, like, I have another way to do it. So again, when you're not condescending and confrontational and you engage together, this is a recipe for success. Do you only work in New York? No, actually, we work in Manhattan and the tri-state area and Connecticut all parts of Connecticut if they were within a two-hour transport radius. Same as New Jersey, Westchester, and the Hamptons. If you're not in New York, we have a virtual consultation. And that is fantastic for so many people. We started that pre during the pandemic, and it's really been working out great. And there's different ways you could go about a, a virtual consultation, which is all available in specifically set up to understand on our website. This goes right into our next question. I love the flow of this. How do we budget for your services? So budgeting for one ser- for any service, I would say, first of all, figure out what you want first. That's number one. You don't, if, if you've never done it before, you get a breakdown of fees by just inquiring to our web, through our website, and it will give you the services that we provide. And once you see the different 
fees, the cost of the services, then I think you have to prioritize what is important to you. The first thing that I suggest that you budget for by just putting aside a couple of hundred dollars is a consultation, whether it be a virtual consultation or a person-to-person consultation. That will be informative enough for you to make a decision if you want to go deeper into an organizational project. If there's so many places in your home that need organization, try to budget for the closet, the master bedroom closet, because that's where you will really see the result right away because you live inside of your closet every single day. It will impact you and it will it will make you realize just by seeing the change how impactful and effective and functional organization needs to be in your life. How do you organize the kitchen for packers and movers? We typically, in doing an organizational project and or a move project, we will edit. That is something we really encourage people to do um, before that there before there is any sort of kitchen organization. The edit, we go through not only everything in the cabinets with tableware, stuff in the drawers with cutlery, stuff in the pantry, which is all spices. There's expiration that has to be dealt with. We literally go through every single thing. And by the way, while we're doing it, we're cleaning out, we're getting rid of. So the edit process is so informative in the kitchen. And then as far as packing up, we don't pack up the wares in the kitchen. We leave what is needed, what you have left, um, and we will leave that for the movers to pack up because it's fragile. It's stuff that has to be packed with paper, with bubble wrap, and packed properly in the right size boxes. This follower said, we are driving to Colorado for the summer. How should we pack our SUV? I love that question. We get a lot of questions about cars. Yeah, that's great because also um, people are gonna be starting to travel this summer more than ever because of the last year we've been, you know, hiding out. The best way to always pack up for a move in a car is, no matter where you're going, by the way, it could be a a small drive, it could be just a short drive, or it could be a very long drive like Colorado. And I suggest zippered cases as opposed to suitcases. And the reason why is because we call it a soft pack-up. And the reason we call it a soft pack-up is because the bags that we use, the zippered cases we use, are soft. So not only will it maximize the space in whatever vehicle you're traveling but it also is it and it allows for you to actually squish things in because the material is soft whether it be a plastic case whether it be a duffel it's softer and if it's a plastic case we love to do clear plastic because the clear plastic enables you to see what you have and the mo- and then taking it out of the vehicle is so much easier. You know exactly what you have. You don't have to start opening up boxes and you don't have to start taking things out of cases, suitcases. You don't even know what's in it. And don't forget, suitcases are hard and they're meant to be hard for a reason because they're typically used to go on planes. So, and they need to be hard cases so they're not damaged. But a suitcase will be so 
overwhelming and so not functional for inside a car. They're way too big. What is the best way to organize kids' toys? I feel like they take over my entire house. Well, they take over your whole house because people don't realize that the best way to set up toys in a home is to designate spaces for them. The solution to that is designating either the playroom and or the child's room. I suggest that a playroom, if you do have the space to have a playroom, is the best. So that the child sleeps in their room, you know, goes to sleep in their room. It's a room for peace. It's a room that there's books and then maybe just toys that they will use, you know, during before they go to sleep at night or not, not when they're playing with their friends. And so that's why it becomes like if toys are not designated in a room, that's why they're all over the home. Not to say that kids can't play in with their toys in other spaces. If you have it in a designated space, the child will know where it goes back. So that's the first thing. Designate a room where most of the toys are. Then the second thing is within that room, containment is the key here. Designate containers, whether it be shelving, whether it be cabinets. We love open shelving from Restoration Hardware, by the way. They are floating and they're open cubbies, easy access for kids. And then we also love clear, anything that is clear so the child knows exactly what it is, which enables them to know where it goes back once they take it out. And it depends on how old your kids are. If they're young, you want everything to be you know, available and accessible to them low. And if they're older, you could, you know, start, you know, uh, organizing it so that it's vertically organized. A, a setup where it is a full wall that we just did in one of our clients' homes. And this is great from Ikea, which is a setup that's very easy to put together. You could do a full wall with pull-out drawers that is amazing because each draw is designated for a different kind of toy. Especially when your children, like if they love Legos, that gets really overwhelming. Or if there's dolls and if there's costumes and things like that. And so it's best to have these pull out drawers because you can not only see through them, um, but you label them. Again, it not only is great because it is containment and keeps things tidy, but it also trains your child to know where to put things back. Okay, and now we're on our final question. How do how should I build a his and her closet for maximum storage and ease? Well, first of all, building a closet for his and hers is not ideal unless it is a complete open space that you're getting built out. Then you can designate a his and a hers. If it's Together, what's going to end up happening if you're not organized and you've never done this before is you're going to really routinely have to keep up organizing. Don't do it by yourself. Have an expert come in and set it up so that there is sufficient space because if it's together and things are placed together, they're not going to be honored the way your stuff should be. And it's going to be very annoying. So I would suggest, and it doesn't mean because you build it out that it has to be so costly. You can do a build out with container store products called the Alpha System. You could do it with Ikea. And then you could definitely go more expensive with a very large open space and do it with um, a you know California closet, so to speak, or something that is customized. 
but make sure again that there is designated space for each and know what your stuff is don't just say okay here's two poles and we're going to have a shelf make sure that if you want to put your accessories there that the accessories are accessible to you so you have to kind of think before you act so that's it right we covered everything for the day i hope that everything was informative for you guys any questions dm us and i'd love to hear if this was informative and you want us to do it again